Welcome back to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM920. Is wire fraud common in real estate transactions? And then who is responsible for a tree if it falls on your home or your car from the property owned by someone else? My name is Cleve Gaddis. You're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio, where we help listeners go from real estate novices to experts. So home selling and buying can be done with total confidence and without all the worry typical with life's biggest investments. We want to connect with you. Go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio.com. You can ask questions. You can make comments. You can push back. You can share ideas. We want you to visit today. You can also subscribe to our podcast. It's available on all major podcasting platforms. I am joined in the studio today by Tammy Slay, broker owner of Hip Realty Group in Frisco, Texas. Tammy, thanks for being with us. All four segments. I'm happy to be here, Clay. Wire fraud. So if you knew that just making a simple call to follow up on wiring instructions for closing could prevent fraud and you didn't do it, can you imagine how devastated you would be if there was fraud committed? Got a listener question. I'm devastated. A scam artist, listen to this, spoofed my email address and my commission from a closing went to a different account. So this is a real estate agent who had money, their money wired somewhere else. What can be done? Have you ever experienced wire fraud in one of your transactions? No. No. So is that because you take steps to prevent it? Yes. Okay. So talk about those steps. Um, Before any money is ever wired, uh, two people have to be called. Okay. Um, Myself or one of my agents, the agent working the transaction and the title company. Okay. So we have that in place. That's information that's reviewed with the clients ahead of time. If anybody emails them asking for money, or if anybody emails the title company giving different wire instructions, then the title company has to contact me or one of my agents, okay. depending on who's on the contract, okay. and the client. Okay. And then likewise, if the client receives an email asking for wiring instructions, they contact me and the title company. So if you were to give advice to a home buyer uh-huh. who was looking to wire funds to a closing, uh-huh. what would the advice be? The I think ad- I know what it is, but what would it be? Call me and the title company and make sure I also know the number you're calling and you're talking to the title company, but you're going to contact me. I'm going to review the wiring instructions with you. You're going to contact the title company directly and also review the wiring instructions directly. Wow. Listen to this. This is from a REMAX agent somewhere in the country. It says, need advice. A deal just closed. We sent the buyer title company our wiring instructions and requested our commission, they said the wire cost was $30, and they were just going to send a check. The check gets deposited, and there's been a stop payment. A scam artist, listen to this, spoofed my email account, changing just one letter in the email address, in the the address domain, then sent an email to the buyer title company requesting a stop payment to the check and a wire request to the title company due to new COVID policies, the buyer title company wired immediately to the fraudulent wiring instructions, never checking or calling, and now the commission is gone. And in this case, it was $36,000. So it sounds to me like the advice is don't wire anything without having direct communication. Mm-hmm either in person or over the phone with, at a minimum, the title company. Make sure you're talking to somebody at the title company. Also, if somebody sends you wiring instructions and they do it in an unsecure way, just attach them and send them to an email, would you instruct somebody just to say, great, those must be the real wiring instructions, and so we'll just move on? No. 
No, you got to double check. You got to call the title company. You got to call me yep. and review it. If they're in Atlanta, they shouldn't call you. If oh. you're Atlanta, they should call their agent, right? <laughs> I just want to make sure. Uh, you're going to give out your cell phone number now? Say, everybody call Tammy if you're wiring some money. I got a call, Tammy, maybe two or three years ago. And we had the guy on this radio show. It was a buyer uh-huh. who was paying cash for a home. $285,000. Mm. Scammed. <gasps> Wire fraud. Oh. So what had happened was... Uh, somehow instructions were sent to him through an unsecured, I think it was from the real estate agent, if I remember correctly, unsecured. New instructions were sent. Same thing happened. The email address was changed just by a letter or two. This poor gentleman wired $285,000. At that time, they thought it was to some uh, African country or someplace. I don't even remember. The FBI had to get involved, but the reality is... That guy was out $285,000. Can you even imagine? No. Can you even imagine being out $285,000? No. No. I mean, it, it's horrible. It's horrible. And without the right... And the thing is, any agent or title company leaves themselves open to liability oh, sure. in today's world because we're all talking about wire fraud now. So mm-hmm. if you don't have systems in place, then guess who's really out two hundred eighty-five thousand dollars? Well, so in this case, um, I, I would assume there should be there could be some liability on behalf of the broker. And for some mm-hmm. reason, the 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 home buyer who was on the show with us said that uh, I don't want to talk badly about a big bank, but let's just say that the initials were B O F A, and that they had some liability in the, yeah. in the deal. And I don't quite understand that. But so I think we should um, let's have a blanket statement. If you get wiring instructions for anything in mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. I think the best philosophy would be don't trust them. Right. You can take them. You should call and then you should verify the account numbers, all of the wiring instruction. And if somebody sends you something in through a, ma- a manner in a manner that is non-secured, mm-hmm. you better watch that out. I would say you'd be better off. And in a lot of cases, they won't take a certified check over a certain amount of money. How, how, how big of a certified check will they take in Texas? 10,000 up to 10 and Georgia, I think it's up to 5,000, but it might be 10,000. And the reality is, is that, you know, you might find a closing attorney that would are here in closing attorneys in your, in your state, you close with escrow companies. Um, and you might find somebody that would prefer to take a cashier's check and wait for the dang thing to clear <laughs> than to, uh, you know, to have wire fraud going on. It's just amazing. I cannot imagine that poor real estate agent now having $36,000 gone because somebody spooked mm-hmm. his or her email address. And it may be, you know, as you're talking about breaking up the certified checks, maybe yes. even wiring in increments. Instead of 285000 oh. Yeah. wiring in increments. Yeah, you could do that. You could absolutely, totally do that. Okay, let's run into the next discussion topic here. we got about four and a half minutes left in the segment. If you wish, if you had a tree, let's just say, for example, you owned a car Mm -hmm. and you pulled up in front of a house and you parked your car and a tree from that house's yard fell on your car. Now, I'm talking about the state of Georgia and the state of Georgia only. Okay. Who is responsible for that damage? I don't know the state of Georgia's laws. Yes. Do you know what it would be in Texas? It would be the owner of the tree. It would be. They carry the responsibility of the maintenance of that tree to make sure that does not happen. Interesting. What if it was an act of nature? So it didn't they have anything carry to do with the, the responsibility yep. of that tree. <clears throat> so do you know that in Georgia, 
<coughs> it would be the responsible the responsible party would be the owner of the car. Wow. And if Point a tree, if a tree fell from a neighbor's yard onto your house. Now, if you could prove and your insurance company could prove that the owner of the tree was negligent, mm -hmm. well, they probably would be responsible for it. But if it was just an act of nature, and here we've got these big, 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 tall pine trees. You don't have trees tall enough to cause any damage. That's a bad example for you <laughs> in Texas because you don't have, I haven't seen a tree bigger than like 15 feet tall in that area, except for the Arboretum. There's some bigger ones. But here, you know, we've got these 50, 50 60 foot tall loblolly pines mm -hmm. and a tornado or a hurricane or really bad thunderstorm will sometimes blow those things over. And we actually had a situation for a property we managed. Uh, so we, we represented the landlord and a guest of the tenant parked a car in front of the home, tree fell on the car. And it was like a Bradford pear or something that just broke and fell on the car. And it was that person's automobile insurance that had to pay for the damage because there was not even any coverage available from the homeowner's insurance mm. because that's not the way it works. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You would think that it would be the responsibility of the, of the, of the party that, uh, that, but if it falls on your house or in your yard, you don't ask your neighbor to contact their homeowner's insurance company. You contact your homeowner's insurance company and they figure out how to deal with it. That's crazy to me. So does that mean you're not moving to Georgia? That yeah, I mean, it, it, it. I don't even understand the logic of it because then you'd have homeowners out there not maintaining their trees. Well, and I think that you know, I never thought about that. That is an interesting point. If you just joined us, by the way, you're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920. The Answer. I'm Cleve Gaddis, a full-time real estate broker and real estate agent, team leader here in Metro Atlanta. My family's been in real real estate for 35 years. I've got Tammy Slay in the studio with me, and I've just informed her that if a tree falls from a neighbor's yard into your yard, that it is your homeowner's insurance company that is responsible for that damage. And she has decided that she is not <laughs> going to ever move to Georgia because it doesn't make any sense. And I never thought about that because you're totally right. If it didn't matter if I maintained my trees and they just fell over into your yard, it seems like I would be responsible for it no matter what. Uh, so in Texas, yes. we have trees tall enough that they often do damage over fence lines. So yes. the wooden fence lines. <clears throat> right. And if a homeowner, because the homeowner is responsible, if the tree's on their yard, they're responsible for the maintenance of that tree. If Makes they're sense. not maintaining those limbs that become loose, they go, yeah. they're causing damage to fences and other people are responsible for it. But it, I mean, it's, it's an accountability, a built-in accountability of maintain your tree. Mm-hmm. Maintain your tree. Have you ever had a problem that you've personally experienced Not, with a transaction? No. Oh, with a transaction, yeah, or, yes. Oh, really? What happened? Yes. We got about one minute left. Tell us what happened. Okay. Give us the good stuff. So it and it was a little bit in reverse um, that a neighbor was putting in a pool okay. and caused damage to oh. the roots that were tree. underground of someone else's tree. So now the pool owner actually had to pay the neighbor. For the damage they caused because the roots were so far underneath the ground. That is so interesting that mm -hmm. that would happen. I would have thought that as the roots went under the property line, that those roots became the property of the neighbor because they say yeah. you own from the surface all mm -hmm. the way to the center of the earth and all the way up to infinity. Yeah. So such an interesting concept. we got to take a quick break. In our next segment, in our neighborhood spotlight, we're fe featuring Bridgetown and Cumming. What are the most popular holiday decorations for each state? Can you guess your state's most popular holiday decorations? Stick with us. We've got those subjects and more. We'll be back. <laughs> 